Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So buckle up and join us on the spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome to Love and Context Podcast with Ben and Spencer. I'm Spencer. I'm Ben. So in case you haven't figured that out yet, or if you're a first-time listener, uh-huh. or a first-time watcher, and they're like, who are these very ugly fellows that are going to talk to us about the Bible? My wife thinks I'm beautiful, and that's what counts. There was a really funny story about Spencer. Uh, it was about a year ago. He had a challenge for his kids at Young Life that if they raise a certain amount of money, he would shave off his beard. Mm-hmm. So if you ever wonder what that looks like, it's terrifying. It is. It is. Yeah. So if you're joining us for the first time, we are uh, going through Torah. We're actually in Numbers, and we're going to be in Numbers 20 today. Yep. Just one chapter, guys. Just one chapter. Just I know chapter. I know. we have a tendency to cover like four or five chapters uh-huh. at a time. A couple of the episodes, they may be shorter coming up, but we there's these topics. We can't rush past them. They need their own time, and they only need their own subject. So yeah. uh, these may be a little bit shorter episodes, but based on our uh, <clears throat> amount that we talk, I'm going to guess that it's probably not going to be the case. We'll find out. Yeah. By the way, I wanted to address something that I got via comment from my oh. listener. <laughs> they they made, made a comment, and I told them I was definitely going to talk about them on the podcast. So here Great. we go. They made a mention that when they were listening through, and apparently they were just like crushing through them like multiple episodes at a time. Uh-huh. Uh, they said that we tend to say, you have to, you must, you gotta, like on a very frequent basis. And... uh we're going to keep doing that. <laughs> so always, so, always just know that we're, we're your listener continue to enjoy <laughs> to continue to enjoy because we're going to, we're going to say things probably incorrectly at times. Here is a, we're actually in a different location. Hopefully yeah. we're going to see how the lighting works out here. Yeah. We haven't actually posted the first episode. In fact, if you watch the first episode and you watch this episode, you're like, they're wearing the same thing. That's because we recorded them at the same time. No, we just don't do laundry. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you did talk about in your last episode that you only have like five of the exact same shirt. I do. I, I own four of this sweater. Yeah. And it's for a reason. Yeah. So I think it was a, it was a story about Daniel Radcliffe. When he would go out in public, he always wore the same thing over and over again uh-huh. so that paparazzi couldn't sell pictures of him. Yep. Because they couldn't verify what day it came from. Yep. Which I was like- that's genius. It's pretty great. I'm not gonna lie. That's yeah. pretty great. All right. So this is gonna be kind of a, a little bit of a, a harder story. We're gonna get into a few things here. So I'm gonna just start reading from here. Start in chapter 20. And you know what? We're gonna we're gonna read a good section of it, and then come back and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Starting verse one, it says, "In the first month, the whole Israel community arrived at the desert of Zin. That is Zin, not Sin. And they stayed at Kadesh. There, Miriam died and was buried. Very sudden. Yeah." Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died with it when our brothers fell before the Lord. First time they quarreled with Moses, right? Yeah. So you remember, uh, we didn't get very far. This has just happened. Like, this has just happened, and Moses and Aaron interceded for them so that uh-huh. they didn't die there. Yeah. Now they go a little bit further, and they don't have any water, which, to be fair, the desert is really hot. We have that shirt available now. Yep, I think it is. It, it is. It's going to be available. Mm-hmm. The desert is really hot. And so, like, to be fair, no water in the desert is rough. Yeah. Right? And they actually don't complain about water that much in the desert. 
I was actually talking with uh, a friend of mine and you said he we were talking about water in the desert and they said he said oh yeah the Israelites are always complaining about water in the desert it's like well, it only happens like twice right they complain a lot in the desert yeah they complain a lot in the desert but they only actually complain about water twice the first yeah. time was when God had them go strike the rock mm-hmm. and then the second time is the story that's coming up yep by the way those stories might be related mm-hmm. mm, it's entirely possible Alert. They are. All right. Take a look on here. It says they quarreled and said, if only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into the wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? While wow, they up the ante, the livestock's going to die too. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. It's interesting. They talk about grapevines and pomegranates because we just saw that somewhere. Where was that? That was just previous chapters when they were going into the promised land. It was grapes, pomegranates, and figs. Yeah, that's the stuff they brought back. And they're yeah. like, they're like, we, we had all these things in yeah. Egypt. Uh-huh. Well, you could have had all these things if you had gone into the land, like yeah. God had told you. Yep. So Meruzas and Aaron went from the t- assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the whole community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded. By the way, staff from the Lord's presence. Which one would this have been? Aaron's staff. Aaron's staff, the one that just budded. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of the rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough in, in, to honor me as holy in the sight of Israel, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and where he was proved holy among them. Okay. A lot of sudden shifts in this story. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're going to get go further than this, but we need to stop and talk about the story. In the show notes for this podcast, I'm actually going to link a blog that I did on this story mm-hmm. because there's a lot of interesting things that are going on here. So one of the first interesting things that shows up in ancient uh, Eastern writing, mm-hmm. the rabbi's writing, is that uh, there's a story that they tell in the Mishnah. Now, remember, if you don't remember, the Mishnah is like Jewish commentary on the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a story in the Mishnah that when Moses originally struck the rock... Miriam was in charge of holding the rock, mm-hmm. and whenever she would go places, she would sink to it, and water would pour out. That's why they never want, want, complained about water. Yeah. Now, that isn't necessarily what literally happened. It's supposed to drive you to this reality is that as soon as Miriam dies, there's a problem with water. Yeah. So there seems to be some sort of connection there that the text is driving us towards. Now, I'll leave you to wrestle with that. It is a very interesting thing. Miriam dies. And then there's no water. Mm-hmm. Maybe Miriam was in charge of water. Maybe she was in charge of finding water. But there's a bunch of different things that that could have to do with. But I do think that that story from the Mishnah is super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which most stories from the Mishnah are super interesting because they're meant to drive you to a to a textual thing. So Miriam has died and there isn't water in the desert. And to be fair, like I said, the desert is hot. Mm-hmm. It's real hot. And they complain about not having water. It, it's, it's crazy, though, because immediately there's like multiple things like, Oh, we should have died when God came against the people. Oh, we should be back in Egypt. Oh, if only we had gone into the promised land. Now, the thing we know, because we just read this story, and hopefully as listeners, you have just read the story as well, is that most of these things are actually their fault, mm-hmm. right? Like they complained, they didn't go up, and then they tried to go up when God told them not to, and they got their butts yeah. handed to them. Caleb was the only guy who's like, let's go, uh-huh. right? He's like, let's go get this yeah. land. 
but it's it didn't actually work out that way, mm-hmm. right? I, I think that's really telling for what we deal with a lot of times in the church today. Mm-hmm. We run into a situation that we're uncomfortable. Yep. And we tend to have revisionist history. We talked about this towards the end of last episode. Yep, we did. And we tend, with our revisionist history, we just tend to make it what we think it should be or what we thought it should be. Right. And and not actually looking at what God's plan is. I, I had heard a quote, and I think it's really good, and it's really good for this. We tend to view history of other people through a lens of, like, distrust. Uh-huh. Like, that they were they were way, like, harsher or meaner than they were supposed to be. And ourselves, we always put paint ourselves in the best light possible. Yeah. That tends to be how we just look at history in general. And usually the truth is somewhere in between there. Yeah. Usually people aren't as harsh as we remember, and we were not as level-headed as we remember. I, re- I remember Tara and I, my wife and I, were having this conversation about this meeting that we were both a part of. I got out and I was like, yeah, I made sure to keep a level head. I didn't raise my voice. She's like, mm, yeah, maybe not so much. <laughs> like. Like she had, she had a very different perspective on, on how I handled that meeting. Uh huh. Yeah. And I've had the same thing with my wife where we've come out of meetings and, and I was like, yeah, I was, I was really calm and collected. And she's like, so about that. Yeah. Not so much. And I was like, really? She's like, no, you were a little bit of a jerk there. And I was like, oh, okay. I also have had the one where I said, I'm like, yeah, I was telling them over and over again that we need to do this. And, and she'll go, you never actually said that. I think you said it in your head, but you never actually said that out loud. And people people tend to respond to things you say out loud. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we, we tend to do that as humans. Yeah. Right? We tend to judge everybody else by their actions and us by our intentions. Uh-huh. Yeah. We tend to do that as humans. And so when we're not, when we're examining our lives, where we're at in ministry, where we're at in life, we need to do a fair examination. So in response to this, I like that Moses's, Moses and Aaron's choice is to go to the temple. Yeah. Go to where God is, mm-hmm. fall face down and before him, and he uh-huh. appears. Yep. Just bring it before God. Yeah. I want to give them large kudos because in, in a little bit, we're going to talk about some things that don't go so well. But I want to point out that like good leadership, when hardship comes, your first action should be to pray. Yeah. Should be to seek God. Yeah. Get in the word. Yeah. Seek godly wisdom. Yes. Like these are all good things to do uh-huh. when conflict comes. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem to be what we usually do. No. We're like, oh, you know what? I can handle this. I can deal with this, whatever, this, that, or the other. But the invitation is actually to trust God in the moment, to ask God, like, what are your solutions? Yeah. And then when it continues to fall apart, then we're like, oh, I should bring God into it. Yeah. And it's like, eh, you should have done that two weeks ago. Yeah. Or yeah. two months ago. Is there maybe this mentality where we don't want to involve God until it's like really bad? Well, we often view our relationship with God as a uh, boss-employee relationship. And as an employee, you want to do the best job possible and you don't want to inconvenience your boss you want to inconvenience your boss as little as possible. Right. And so, and if you're doing your best job possible, then your boss is going to essentially praise you and, you know, be like, okay, he's doing awesome. This is fantastic. Well, and and it also has a thing to do with trust though. Yeah. So coming back to this idea that we've talked about repeatedly in the podcast of like, do you view God through an angry lens? Mm -hmm. Right. If you assume that God's going to be angry if you come and talk to him, then you're going to try to avoid getting God involved as much as possible, and you're going to try to solve it yourself. You're going to try to solve it in your own power. If you view God as a loving father who wants to see you succeed, you're going to be a lot more likely that when you run into hardship, you're like, hey, God, what's going on? What should I do? Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes he's going to say you need to keep going. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and what we need to do is we actually need to step into that father-son relationship or father-daughter relationship where it's like, hey, no, I want to involve you in my life as soon as something comes up. Right. 
well, you were, as soon as I can. You were telling me that story about your daughter and laying tile because you were doing that in your house, yeah. laying tile, and and how like she was just insistent that she was going to do it her way. Uh huh. So she just learned how to use an impact driver. And some of you who are listening are like, "Isn't she five? I was like, "Yes, she is." But and some of us who are talking here are like, "What's an impact driver?" Yeah, yeah. So she just learned how to use for for Ben's sake a drill. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Drill. Heavy power drill. Uh-huh. That's what I heard. Yeah. yeah. An impacting drill. Yeah. Yeah. She just learned how to use a drill. And so she was like, I am going to, we had to fix some floorboards before we could get into the tile. She's like, I'm going to fix the floorboards. She's like trying to put the, put the new uh, subfloor down. And I'm like, no, we got to cut it. We got to cut. We got to measure. We have to mm-hmm. cut, get this subfloor, subfloor to fit. And she's like, no, I got this. And so then she pulls out the tape measure and she's like, it's 37, 22 inches. I'm like, that's not a number yeah. <laughs> to start with. Well, either that or it's a really big number. Yeah, yeah, which my floorboards are not that big. But yeah. anyways, it was, uh, and then she's like, oh, I got this. And then she would get frustrated. Like, oh, I can't do it. I'm like, okay, well, let me help you and show you how to do it. And then, no, I got this. And then I was like, okay, right? Yeah. You just had to let her go and do it. Yeah. It's one of those things where she came and talked to you and like yeah. you recognize that she wouldn't learn until she did it herself and yeah. messed up. And a loving father lets you do that. Yeah. I let her do it. I stood there to make sure that she wasn't going to do anything that was going to hurt her. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she was using power tools. So I was like, I'm going to stand there and make sure she's not going to hurt herself. But at the same time, I was like, all right, you got this. Go for it. And then did she eventually got to a point where she got frustrated enough where she's like, all right, dad, I need you to help me. Right. Well, and, and like this to, to the point of what's going on in the book of numbers, like this is the invitation from God is like, are you going to trust me? Because we talked about over and over again in these last, they're grumbling, they're grumbling, they're whispering, they're spreading bad reports. They don't trust God. No. Like even in the quail, they were gathering 10 times what they needed. No. Because they don't trust that the meat's going to be there the next day. They don't trust that God's going to uh, lead them into the land. They don't trust that they can fight the Nephilim and the Amalekites and all these different people. They don't trust that God's going to provide anything, which is crazy because he's done it over and over again. And by the way, there are so many churches in America that don't trust. Correct. That the Lord's going to do his work. And then they're like, we need to do the work. Well, and and the surprising thing is yeah. you have these churches that don't trust. Uh-huh. And then they look at the churches that do and they're like, well, they got to be doing something like incorrect mm-hmm. theologically. Maybe they're just trusting God and he's blessing it. Uh-huh. Even if they have bad parts, he's blessing it because the gospel is being preached. Because yeah. the kingdom is moving forward. Because love is adorning their mm-hmm. their posts. Mm-hmm. Right? And let's be and let's be real throughout Torah, God is blessing Israel and not perfect people. Not perfect people. He's blessing this grumbling, complaining nation, right? Rightfully so. Like let's let's give let's give a little credit to Israel. Like they were ripped out of the life that they knew. Slavery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like they were ripped out of it. They knew that life and then they were thrown into a life in the desert as desert wanderers for a while. And so they had a very sudden change. Very sudden. Very sudden change. So it's it's natural to be like, what's going on? Well, especially when you, you factor in, like, we t- set slavery, right? So yeah. you know exactly what to expect every day with slavery. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, you don't have to guess what's going to happen, who's an authority. Like, it's very clear. God leads a different way. Absolutely. God doesn't lead with the rod. He leads with the voice. Yes. Which is actually going to bring us into what happens next here. So let's take a look and see what God tells him to do. So they, he go, they go before God, which is the right thing to do. And God says to Moses, take the staff. Okay, we know which stuff he's talking uh-huh. about. And you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. 
Perfect. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community to drink so that they and their livestock can drink. Mm-hmm. Right? So then let's take a look. Moses takes a staff, exactly what he's supposed to do. He and Aaron gather the assembly together in front of the rock. And then Moses speaks to the people. Mm-hmm. Moses wasn't told to speak to the people. Wasn't told well, to speak to the people. He was told to speak to the rock. And you, you wonder, you're like, why is that such a big deal? Well, take a look at what he says. He says, listen, you rebels. Uh-huh. Do we have to bring water out of this rock? Now, to be fair, God did say that they're going to bring the water out of the rock, right? 100%. So he's not misquoting God at that point. Mm-hmm. But is this context how God is speaking about them bringing water? No. Yeah, I would suggest that earlier God is suggesting bringing the water as an act of mercy. Yes. Act of grace. But Moses is an act of vindication mm-hmm. of I know better than you. And so this is what's going to go on. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're going to, we're going to place you under judgment, Israel, so that you can see like you're such complainers that God has to bring water out of a rock. Mm-hmm. Right. You have, you have God saying, Hey, I'm going to do this work through Moses. Right. And he looks at Moses and says, I'm going to do this through you. And then Moses gets up there and he's like, all right, do I have to do this? Mm-hmm. Those are two very different things. Two very different things. And then Moses speaks to the people. He doesn't speak to the rock. And then he strikes the rock. But he doesn't just strike it once. Twice. Twice. Now, you think the first time he hits the rock and water doesn't come out, he's like, right, I'm supposed to speak to it, right? <laughs> like, like you think like that was the, uh-huh. the thing. Now, I have no textual like verification of this, but this makes me think of the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. It makes me go back to the Garden of Eden where Eve eats and then Adam eats mm-hmm. and then their eyes are opened. Yeah. Like sin sin is realized in that moment. Yeah. And so Moses doesn't strike once. He strikes twice. Right? He strikes twice. Like after God has not moved on the first strike, he strikes again. Now, God honors it and he brings water. Mm-hmm. So God is going to pour out his grace even when people abuse how it's supposed to be done. Yeah. And I, we actually really need to stress this because I think sometimes people misunderstand this. One of the reasons we don't talk badly about other people is because we know that God moves in spite of us mm-hmm. most of the time rather than because of us. Yeah. And that's, and we should be so thankful and grateful that that is who God is. I remember the story, we've talked about this before, but Jesus is in Samaria and James and John come and they're like, these people don't appreciate us. Let's b- bring down fire from heaven. He's and like, just, <laughs> he's like, really? Really? <laughs> he's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. But I'll tell you what, the next day I'm going to commission you to go preach the good news. Uh huh. turns out Jesus just has a different way of discipling us than we do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was just going to say like, we, we, re- we really need to be grateful and thankful that that's who God is. Yeah. Like. Because when you look at the story of how Moses handled this, he's like, vindication, I am going to call you all out. Mm-hmm. And God's sitting there and he's like, here we go. He's like, but I'm still going to fulfill my promise. This also plays back into repeatedly when God says, I'm going to take take them all out. And then Moses steps in the gap. This also plays into my perspective theologically that God is inviting Moses into a role. Mm-hmm. He's inviting him to be the kind of person who leads with his voice, not with yeah. a stick. Because Egypt leads with a stick. Yeah. In fact, uh, we're going to link a, a show from Bema talked about the tale of two kingdoms. Yeah. Are you going to lead with Shalom or are you going to lead with uh, with empire? Mm-hmm. In this moment, Moses chooses empire. Yeah. He chooses to put a story on display and it's just not God's. Yeah. 
And I would postulate that at this point, when God has this conversation, he just realizes that Moses is not going to be the kind of person that he needs to lead the people into the land. And so he says, because you did not trust in me. Now, up to this point, what's been the issue in Israel? They don't trust with the food. Uh They don't trust with the quail. They don't trust with the leadership. They don't trust with the spirit. They don't trust, just keep naming it out. They don't trust the leadership of Aaron. So the, the staff is butted. Now Moses doesn't trust God to lead the way that he says that there should lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And God's like, no, because you don't trust me mm-hmm. and you're not setting me aside as holy. You're not making me different than every other God that they've encountered mm-hmm. in the sight of the Israelites. You will not bring this community into the land I give them. Now we're going to stick a pin in that, that conversation because in Deuteronomy, Moses has a different perspective of why, about why he's not allowed in. Mm-hmm. Right. But right here, this story is, you didn't make me holy, and so you're not going to be the people to lead. Yeah. It is actually interesting, though. In this text, I was I was running through it. It actually doesn't say that Moses isn't going to be allowed in the promised land. Not directly, no. Like, the implication is there, and I think God makes it more plain later. Yeah. And, and that's going to come back to this point where we're going to talk about the story later. But Moses actually starts asking God, he's like, can't I lead these people? And he's like, nope, you're not going to go in the land. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a a final nail that kind of gets driven in there. I long maintain in these stories, though, that people react very strangely. Yeah. The reaction from Moses could have been, you know what, God, you're right. I didn't lead the way you wanted me to. And so I'm going to uh, lead them effectively. And then when you're ready to pass on the leadership, you let me know. And I was like, I'm really curious what God would have done at that point. Now, there's also one other episode I'm going to link from Bema, and that's Josh Basse, who is actually a guest host Actually, he's a regular host now. Like mm-hmm. Marty has a bunch of different hosts that uh, host episodes, mm-hmm. but he has a really interesting take on what's going on in the Hebrew here. And oh. uh, we're not going to get into it, but there's like this thing about the staff and a bunch of other things. And I just think it's worth taking a look at. And I think yeah. it's Josh Basse. I might, after this, have to eat my words. Well, wouldn't we, be the first time. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time we've got to do that. I haven't, actually haven't listened to that episode of Bama, so I'll yeah. have to go listen to that. So then moving on, what ends up happening, they... He was not proved holy among them. So then Moses goes and he sends messengers to the Kadesh and the kingdom of Eden and is like, hey, can we pass through? And they're like, mm, no, no, you can't pass through our territory, mm-hmm. right? You're going to have to go around. So Israel actually ends up having to go around. Now, I wonder when I read this, if they weren't just trying to take a shortcut, try to get to the promised land. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So then it says that the whole Israelite community set out from Kadesh and came to Mount Hor. At Mount Hor, near the border of Edom, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will not enter the land I give the Israelites, because both of you rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. Get Aaron and his son Eleazar to take them up the mountain. Remove Aaron's garments and put them on his son Eleazar, for Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will die there. Moses did as the Lord commanded. They went up to Mount Hor in the sight of the whole community. Moses removed Aaron's garments and put them on his son Eleazar, and Aaron died there on top of the mountain. Then Moses and Eleazar came down the mountain, and then the whole community learned that Aaron had died, and all of Israel mourned for him for 30 days. So there's two deaths that happen in this chapter. The first one is Miriam, Miriam, and the big note is there's no water. Then the second is Aaron is dying and he's passing on his leadership role to his son. Mm -hmm. But it says that the entire community mourns him for 30 days. If you're Moses, how do you feel? Like, cause like it's Moses, Miriam and Aaron, Mm -hmm. right? 
and people have loved Miriam up to this point, like it seems to be the case. They waited seven days for her because yeah. of her skin skin defiling, right? Yeah. It doesn't say that they mourned Miriam. Mm-hmm. They just moved on and started complaining about water. Mm-hmm. I I wonder if that doesn't play a little bit into Moses's frustration about the rebels, like yeah. sister freshly dead, nobody cares, mm-hmm. right? And then like almost like a uh, stick it in your stick it in your eye afterwards is like your brother dies and they mourn him thirty days. Like does my sister not matter? She's literally yeah. the one that chased me down the down the Nile, mm-hmm. right? Well, and not to mention, let's not forget that Aaron was the one that God sent to Moses uh-huh. when Moses was like, "I can't do this by myself." Right. So God was like, "Here's Aaron." So Aaron, despite all his flaws, uh-huh. right? Despite all the stuff he did, the golden calf, all that, right? Despite all of that, he was by Moses's side this whole journey, right? Entire ways. He was there. He was there to speak on Moses's behalf to Pharaoh. He was there when they left Egypt. He was there parting of the Red Sea, a whole way, mm-hmm. right? Other people have come. Other people have died. Other other people have been born in this time frame. So far, Aaron was there the whole time. So Moses, in a very short period of time, he lost both his right and his left hand. Yeah, not just family, but also leadership. And not only that, like right in the middle of this, because he. Because he lost his temper, mm-hmm. because he didn't actually do what God called him to be, he's not actually being brought into the promise of what God is doing through the people. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like this is a, this is an intense chapter for for Moses. Yeah, and it's it's hard because you're looking at this and you're like, okay, Moses is patient with the people and he goes before God and God defends him and he goes before God and God defends him goes before God. and even in this case, God is defending him once again. Mm-hmm. He's going to provide water. Yeah. I, I would challenge anybody listening to this or watching this, go read this chapter with your empathetic lens on. Uh-huh. Like, and and see this guy who lost his family, uh-huh. lost his ministry partners, who lost his co-leaders, right? Now he's left on his own is what it feels like. Yeah. Now, yes, Aaron's son, Eleazar, is taking up the mantle. But what do we know about Eleazar? Not much yet. Not much yet, yeah. right? At this point in the story, we don't know anything really about him. We know he's not Nate Evan Abihu. <laughs> yeah, we know that, right? He at least knew enough not to go and try to become like God. Yeah, yeah. He at least knew that much. That's what we know about him. We'll we'll learn more later on. Don't worry. But at this point, Moses has to be in a spot where he is hurting. Mm-hmm. He is in deep, deep pain. Yeah. Right. And what we often do as readers is we just read past this chapter. Yeah. We're like, okay, we're like. Numbers 20. Yeah. Like, I'll put another challenge out there. How many people have a verse memorized from Numbers 20? I don't even think I have a verse memorized from Numbers 20. Yeah. 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 So I, mean, yeah. I could probably quote something that I literally just read. Same here. Like, I got my Bible open in front of me right now. And no, my Mac's not my Bible. I just have Bible open on my Mac. I would challenge people to read this through the lens of empathy. This is a heavy, heavy, heavy chapter for a leader. Yeah. Like, if you're talking to church... And let's say you had a pastor who had a ministry team that was both his family mm-hmm. and his co-ministers, and all of a sudden his whole family died, mm-hmm. or her whole family died. And you're like, oh, okay, great. Let's go about our day. It's heavy. It's heavy. So one of the things I was thinking about when listening to this is I want to I want to talk to the to the Christian, to the teacher, to the leader, to the pastor, to the evangelist to the person who is uh, walking with God, okay? Mm-hmm. 
some of you, this is going to hit harder than others. So just bear with me. You've had successes in your life. Mm -hmm. God's done incredible things, but God handed you something and you fumbled it so badly that you actually betrayed the very heart of God. And so that dream of what he was going to do with you is not going to happen anymore. But God still has things left for Moses to do. Yes. Okay. I want you to hear that because God says you're not going to go into the community, but you still have a role. Mm -hmm. You still have a role until Joshua takes them over the sea, over the river. Yeah. Moses still has a role. Yes. And so pastor, teacher, Christian, evangelist, whatever you are, and you've failed ultimately, like you feel like you have just completely crushed everything you ever had. He's God cool. is not done with you. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be what it was. And it might be something completely different than you anticipated, mm -hmm. but God's not done with you yet. No, it's time to accept forgiveness and move on. Mm-hmm. Leave your past in your past. By the grace of Jesus Christ, no condemnation sticks with you. Yeah. The consequences of your actions, you may or may not be able to have those go away. Mm -hmm. You may have to bear them the rest of your life, mm -hmm. but Christ goes with you and condemnation does not follow. Mm -hmm. And moving forward, don't try to make it look like what it was. Right. Because that's not what God had for you. In fact, I would argue that your mistake is probably going to be the best thing that you can actually teach to the next generation. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. You can acknowledge, hey, this is what happened. This is how it happened. And this is how God walked me through it. Yeah. Right? So you have an opportunity to actually disciple and raise up future generations that are going to know how to deal with heartache. So good. Just in the Christian life, man, there's just so many things that you can do. It's like sin is a, is a fickle mistress mm -hmm. and she will devour you. I remember in the book of Genesis, God says to, to Cain, sin is crouching at your door waiting yeah. to devour you, but you must conquer it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, mm -hmm. you may lose the promise, but there's still a role for you in the kingdom of God. Yeah. We just want to encourage leaders. It, it's hard. It yeah. is real hard. And I think in the church, we have a tendency to build up pastors on pedestals mm -hmm. and then we're surprised when they fall off. And I want to, I, I want to take a moment and speak to the people who aren't in church leadership, who just attend church. Okay. The reality of the role that your pastor has taken on is that they're not going to be able to please everyone. True. Uh, so Ben and I have been in church leadership a number of different times. And um, I personally have been able to please every single person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a lie. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I remember one church I was at. It didn't matter how I preached. There's always people who loved it and there's always people who hated it. Mm-hmm. Didn't uh, when I led worship, it didn't matter what songs I picked. There's people who loved it. There's people who hated it. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter where I, how we had the lobby set up. There's people who liked it. There's people who hated it. Right. Right. Like in one sense, it it didn't matter too much because there's always going to be people who loved it and always people who hated it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we have to recognize that our church leaders, like they've been put in charge of that church. Mm -hmm. And we need to be encouraging them and building them up. And going back to last week, if it's not your staff that's butted, yeah. then your job is to support the one who butted. Yeah, exactly. Right? If it's not your position. And you just have to be okay with where God puts you. In fact, this comes up multiple times because like we go back to Nate Abinabihu. They were trying to usurp the role of their father. Yeah. Right? You have uh, Korah and the worship leaders who are, are seeking to usurp the authority of Aaron. Yeah. 
right? Like this is happening over and over again. Mo Miriam and Aaron even are upset with Moses because of his wife, because they're like, oh, does God only speak to you? Doesn't he speak to us? They're getting intimidated because they're not comfortable with who God has placed in authority over them. Yeah. Like somebody being in authority over you, like as far as I can tell, Moses is a great person to have an authority over you because he's incredibly patient mm -hmm. until he wasn't. Mm -hmm. Right? It took him years to lose his patience. And like over and over again, he's like, well, I'm just going to go to God. I'm just going to go to God. I'm just going to go to God. And the second that he forgets to go to God, mm -hmm. disaster happens. Yeah. It reminds me of a story in the book of, I think it was, I believe it's Second Samuel, mm -hmm. in a time when kings go to war. David was at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you're not where you're supposed to be following the voice you're supposed to follow, you tend to do bad things. You were talking about not being able to please everyone. Mm -hmm. That's why it becomes so important. Like the number one thing we need to do as Christians is be able to hear and respond to the voice of God. Yeah. And that is depending on like how you view theology, that's yeah. praying, that's reading your Bible. That is God speaking to you directly. Mm -hmm. Like all of those different things, like obviously using the Bible as the basis for which all those things are judged. Yeah. Yeah. Most church leaders are trying their best. Most of them, yeah. Most of them. Most of them are trying their best, right? And what I'm not saying is I'm not saying don't ever take things up with your church leaders. Right. Right. I take things up with our church, with our church leaders when, when needed. Right. Right. I've had conversations about a few different things with them. But I'm always very careful, like, I'm always very careful to be like, okay, how do I have this conversation in a way that's going to be productive and helpful all across the board to everybody involved? Well, there's a difference between having a conversation about legitimate concerns in yeah. a position of love and respect mm -hmm. and complaining because you're not getting your way. Yeah. Right? Right. One of those is very productive and one of them is not so much. Exactly. And if you can't figure out which one, I don't know how you got to episode whatever this is of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So that's what we have for you today. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be talking about the story of the bronze serpent. And so I want you guys to not only read that story, but I also want you to read the story in John 3, mm -hmm. when he's having this conversation with Nicodemus, because yeah. we're going to talk about both of those pieces and how they interconnect and what Jesus is referencing back to. Yeah. Right. So that should be, that should be a really interesting episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening and watching today. If you want, you can find us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, a few other platforms as well. Those are the main ones, though. If you want to see our faces, YouTube's the way to go. If yep. you watch one episode with our faces and you're like, I don't want to see those faces ever again, then you just listen. That's fine, too. They say those guys sound way better than they look. They sound way better than yeah. they look. You can just listen. That's totally fine. So those are places you can find us. Also, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Facebook. Yep. yep, you can find us at those places as well. Don't forget there is a store set up now where we have going to have the shirt. The desert is really hot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a few other things on there as well. So, yeah, check that out if you want. And just in case anybody's wondering how we handle any money that we make off this podcast is we actually just donate it all back into local ministries in our community. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing this because we love talking about God. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to make any money. So any money that you yeah. uh, give us actually goes directly to local ministry. Yeah. There you go. We both have day jobs that we like, and we don't need the money. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, we will see, talk, listen, whatever to you later. Goodbye. Right. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. 
We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveandcontext at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Love and Context on Instagram and Facebook for updates. That's going to be an editing nightmare. Do you think it's weird that in subtle we don't pronounce the B? I think so, yeah. That, that's, you, get, you get your ADD moment, so do I. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>